listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Go ahead, and if you have a copy of God's Word, and turn to Matthew 6. If you're a guest of ours, we have been working through the Gospel of Matthew. We've made it all the way to chapter 6. So we're going to be here till night, till 2026, apparently, at this pace. That's all right. Uh, we have been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of a mini section of the, of the greater book of Matthew. And so we are in, I don't even know how many weeks, but we are uh, in chapter six. We're almost halfway through the Sermon on the Mount, which is this great sermon that Jesus preached to his disciples uh, while sitting on the side of a mountain in Galilee somewhere. So we're going to work through a bunch of it today. I had the uh, privilege this week, two of my kids uh, are out of school and they had their school musical. And uh, so we got to go see uh, what I consider the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest musical ever, The Sound of Music, which was phenomenal. Uh, the school rocked it, put on an awesome show. My kid was the, the best, obviously, but that's, uh, <laughs> some, it may be slightly partial, but he killed it. Uh, and I love, I, I love a musical. I love that musical. Uh, I've been singing that. We actually got home at, on Friday night after seeing it. I'd already seen it two times, and we watched the movie. That's how uh, much homers we are, so uh, phenomenal. But I was thinking about that and the idea of a play or a skit or a movie or a, a musical this week. And as great as it is, here's the thing about it. It's an act. It, it, it's something that is, there's a script and it's rehearsed and it's practiced and it's perfected and then it's performed for an audience so people will enjoy it and see it. Right? That's the whole point. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the, that's the point of a, a musical or a movie or a story or a, a, a play. That's the point. But the reality is that's not life. That's not, that's not life. That's not real. I mean, no one walks through life dancing around, you know, and, and singing songs uh, to, to solve their problems. How do I solve a problem like my husband? I mean, that's not, you know, that's, this is not what we do normally, I don't think. I mean, if a if a 17-year-old boy shows up at your door to take your 16-year-old daughter out and he starts singing to her and says, you need someone older and wiser to tell you what to do, then there's a gun. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what to do, okay? You are 17 going on 18. Yeah, that's great. You're so wise. That's not life. That's not real. It is an act. And life is not a stage where we're called to perform and, and perform a role and, and entertain an audience. I think we know this. But here's where Jesus steps in and says, do you? Because some of you are playing a role. Some of you are acting. Some of you are, are high on a hill with a lonely goat herd, yodeling for everyone to see. And here's the point of the, of the entire message, okay? If you're gonna fall asleep, you're not gonna pay attention. Here's the point. Don't do it. Don't play a role. Don't be an actor on the stage trying to entertain people. That's the point of the sermon. That's where Jesus is gonna go. And so the question for us is, as followers of Christ is to say, oh, what does that look like then? How do I know if I'm playing an act? How do I know if I'm, I'm, I'm yodeling on a mountain with a lonely goat horde? How do I know and how do I not do that? What does that look like? That is what Jesus is gonna tell us today in the Sermon on the Mount. As we look at Matthew 6, we're gonna look all the way through verse, from, chapter, from verse one to 18. 
And, and Jesus is going to basically say this. You have, you have a binary choice. You can make one choice or the other choice. You cannot choose them both. You have two choices. You can choose to please men and, and seek the approval of men. Or you can choose to please God. Comes down to that. Who is your audience? That's it. That, that's the entire text. You can seek the approval of God or you can seek the approval of men. You cannot seek them both. And he's going to give us three case studies. He's going he's to talk about three areas of spirituality that are common then and, and really there's some overlap for us. And he's going to say, this is what it looks like. This is what it doesn't look. This is what it looks like. This is what it doesn't look. This is what it looks like to act. This is what's real. Right? And he's going to kind of work through. And so what we're going to see is he's going to talk about giving. He's going to talk about praying. And he's going to talk about fasting. And he's going to say it's possible to do the very right thing for the very wrong reason and be an actor. Right? So that's where we're going to go. And, and we could teach this text multiple different ways. You could break it down real slow and say, okay, let's talk about giving in one sermon. You could talk about fasting in one sermon. You could talk about praying in one sermon. But I, in doing so, I think you lose the flow of the argument where Jesus is going. There is a how to fill in the blank. There is that aspect. But more important in this narrative is the, not the how to, but the why. Because the why feeds the how to. And so that's what we're going to look at today, more so the why. Well, there'll be a little how-to in there, but this is a why do it. Why do it? Don't play a role because Jesus is not having a casting call. He is not looking for extras in his show. He is looking for followers and he's looking for worshipers. And he's been talking about what it looks like to be a follower and a worshiper and life in the kingdom. And this is really not a new section. This is building on what he said. He's been saying all along, this is about the heart. It's not about don't murder somebody. It's about what's going on in your heart. It's not about don't go have an extramarital affair. It's about what's going on in your heart. It's not about when can I get out of my marriage. It's what's the heart of marriage. It's not about who do I not have to love. It's you love your enemies. It's about the heart. And it comes, the same thing when it comes to spiritual things and, and Christianity and our, and our lives. He doesn't want to show, he wants our heart. So let me read our text in its entirety and we'll kind of come back and unpack it. Chapter six, verse one. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trump before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you're, you may giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows that you need what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we, have, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive their trespasses. 
And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So the key verse in this whole section is verse one, because it, it, it's the principle that's gonna guide the rest of it. He says, beware, and you stop right there, of what? You see a sign when you're walking down the street, beware of dog. What do you do? You're like, all right, I gotta be alert. I gotta be conscious that a pit bull could come running out. I gotta, I gotta just be on, the, on my guard. The New Living Translation says, watch out, right? It's, it's look out, and then he's talking to you. Who needs to look out? You need to look out. I need to look out. We need to look out. What do we look out for? For practicing our righteousness before other people. Now, if you're, if you're kind of been here for a little bit and you're like, you gotta be going back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't he just tell me that I'm supposed to practice my righteousness before? I mean, didn't he just say in chapter five, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds? Didn't he just say that? And now he's saying, don't do that. I mean, which is it here? Jesus, I mean, is it to be or not to be? That is the question. And the answer is yes. Yes. And, it's, and it's, the answer is found in that key little phrase, right? That little prepositional phrase for you English nerds, right? Don't beware of practicing your righteousness before people in order that, in order to what? Be seen by them. So you're talking two different contexts here. So there's a, a place in our life sometimes where we uh, are timid and we don't wanna stand up for what is right and we won't wanna do what is right or we don't wanna say no to that because people might say whatever. They might, you might lose respect or you might not be cool or you might whatever. And in that moment, Jesus is saying, no, 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 let your light shine before men. But then there's the other side when some of us are, wanna be showy and wanna be seen and, and everyone say, ooh, what a good husband he is. Ooh, look how sweet she is. Oh, look how godly they are. They know so much this. Oh, look how smart, look how wise, look how whatever. And that, that ladder, when that's your heart, Jesus says this, you've been paid in full. That's your reward. If that's what you want and that's what you're doing and that's the why behind everything, the golf clap, the attaboy, the you're super godly, or what a good Christian, all you get is this. There's no eternal value there. And he's alluding to a principle that the New Testament affirms, and it's this, is that every single person in this room and in this world will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That you will give an account for your Life. This is what Paul says. We must, he says, we, including Paul, must all stand, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? That we may receive what is due for what we have done in the body, good or evil, profitable or not. He says in Romans, each of us will give an account to God himself. And some of you are thinking, wait a minute, I thought I was forgiven for all my sins, past, present, future. What is all this? I didn't know, I didn't, I, I didn't know about this. All right? We're not talking about for your sins. That was dealt with at the cross. This is for how you stewarded your life. What did you live for? What, what, how did you use your resources, your talents, your influence for the kingdom? And you will stand before Jesus. And just te texts like this are usually used as fear tactics. Better watch out because you're gonna stand before the principal and he's gonna whack you, right? You're gonna get detention. And it's just this fear thing. It's not meant to be that. It's meant to be a good thing. Like you're gonna get to present your life and say, here's, here's kind of what I did with what you got, which you gave me, Lord, right? It's kind of like, think about a graduation, 
right? So at a graduation ceremony, everybody on stage, what? Graduates. Woohoo! Right? Now, some people just barely 2-0 and go, they get by. And some people, they have all the garb, you know, they got yellow. They look like the Pope up there. They got this ribbons and hats and fuzzy things coming off of their hats. Everybody's happy they're graduating. Some people, right, just got the black robe and that's it. We're just blind. And other people, the Pope. Either way, everyone graduates, so there's joy. But some people, magna cum something. Honor society, whatever that is. Don't know, right? Uh, You know, AP, there's honor given. And that's the idea. At the judgment seat, some people, there's gonna be honor because of their faithfulness. And some people, they're there, praise God, but there's not. And and here's the thing. This is, at at this point, is when those motives, the why behind everything is all exposed. Because you can fool me and you can fool the, the elders and your spouse and your kids and your community group and everybody in this room, but there's one who sees all. And at that moment, it will be revealed. And if all you do is for the pray, ooh, look how good they are. Praise God for that person. He says, that's all you get. So here's the principle that guides the rest of the text. This is the principle he's getting at. It's this, don't try to impress people with your spirituality. Don't don't try to to put on a show and and be a lonely goat herd singing lehio, lehio, lehihu and and impressing everybody, but that's because that's all you get, right? That's your audience. And so Jesus is gonna hit three common areas for them. And there's some overlap for us here. He's gonna highlight three areas that this was common for the people in the day. So let's look at them. He says in verse two, thus. It starts off with the word thus, which is the Greek word we translate therefore, right? It's, it's linking. So if you look back to what he said, because of what I just said, don't, don't try to impress people with your spirituality. Because of that, when you give to the needy, you notice it's when, not if. There's an, impl- there's an assumption that, that Christians are givers. Christians are generous. It's not, oh, if I have enough, then I'll give. No, there's an assumption you give, and we'll talk more about this next week. He says, but when, that, when you give, don't sound the trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do. And the word hypocrites is a word actor. It's the play actors of the day. They, they would wear a mask, and they'd play a part, and then they put another mask up, and they play a part. And that's what he's saying. Some of us are doing. He said, when you give, and we don't know if there's actual people blowing the trumpet as they walk down, the, you know, when the saints come marching in, you know, we don't know. But there are clearly people who are giving and they're drawing attention to themselves so that people will say, look how godly they are. Look how generous they are. Wow. And they do it, notice, so that they may be praised by others. The word praised there, it's translated glorify in chapter five when Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify. It's the same Greek word. What they want is glory. They want to be praised. They want to be exalted. They want to be seen, right? They give, that's why. And you got to think, why? Here's the why. Why do you give? If you give. What's the reason? Why do people give, right? Is it to, you know, get your name on a, on a list of, we're, on the, we're in the gold giving bracket. We're not the diamond or the platinum, but we're not the bronze either. I mean, we're the gold. 
put your name on there or to, to get to go to that one function that all the big donors are there and you get to sit and hobnob with people and, and look important or get to meet the CEO of that place and, oh, look how this. Or maybe in the church world, it's so you get your name on a brick to the glory of God and the Jones family. You're sitting in the row that the Smiths gave. Congratulations, right? Is that, is that why? To get your name on a plaque? Or here's one. Don't mean to be convicting, but sorry. Do you give so that your taxes are lower? Right? It's just, well, we got, we got to give this much because it'll lower our taxes. There's nothing wrong with claiming it on taxes. The government allows that. Praise God. But here's the thing. If you are giving for the sole purpose so that your tax number is lowered, then who are you giving for really? You. And that's what he's talking about. It's, it's not because God is generous and he commands it. It's because I need to lower my taxable income. And he says, don't do it. That's an act. So how do we do it? He says, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. And, and again, he's speaking metaphorically. It's not, oh my goodness, you know, I, don't, I had a 20 and I don't know what happened to it. My, hand, my left hand must have just thrown it out and I didn't even see it. Oh my goodness, I didn't even know. I mean, it's weird. It's like the force moved me or something. I don't know. Where's baby Yoda? I, right? No, that's not what he's saying. His point is being conspicuous. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't make it about you. Right? That's the idea. We can be legalistic with even this. Right? So, you know, and I know there's times, oh, that means, does that mean I shouldn't write a check anymore for those like three of you that still write checks? Because my name's on the check, right? Or more common, well, I can't Venmo that person because then Venmo is, you know, they see who we gave and they're like, we're not getting legalistic here. But then again, you don't need to like Venmo someone $500 for their mission trip and then post it on your Facebook. Pray for so-and-so, they're going to Costa Rica. Yeah, I gave $500 so that they could go. Yeah, you don't need to proclaim it to everybody. Do it in secret. That's the point. Don't toot your own horn. Right? Give because God sees. I remember back in seminary, I still remember this. I went to my box at the seminary, opened it up, and there was a card in there, the $100 anonymously given. And $100, when I was in seminary, it's still, it's still a lot of money. But back then, I mean, today, $100, that gets my family one trip to the Chick-fil-A. Big, right? <laughs> but back then, it was like, man, this is huge. Still to this day, don't know who gave it. They probably, 20 years ago, they don't even remember who they are. They probably don't remember they did that. Do you know who remembers? Do you know who saw it? God saw it. God remembers that. I will reward those who give in secret. That's the point. Don't draw attention, right? And so here's the, here's the principle, I think, that underlies this, okay? When you feel that temptation to be showy, to be flashy, right? Hide. That's the principle. Hide. Take a step back, right? Check your heart. Beware. And this is not just, y'all, this is not just about giving. It, that's one application. There's multiple applications, right? Like, so I said in the first service, so you know, it is awesome when people are praising God and raising their hands and worshiping with their hands up. But you got to ask the question, why? Is it a biblical posture of worship? Absolutely. But are you coming down front so that you can be seen as the, the worshiper? And again, I'm not trying to get people, I'm, I want more people raising their hands, to be honest with you. Because I know we got a lot of Anglican Presbyterians and this is the posture of worship, right? Right here. So I'm not, I'm not trying to, to guilt, but I'm just saying, hey, this is great. And this is, praise God. And, and, but 
make sure you're doing it because you're exalting God and it's a posture, it's a biblical posture to raise your hands. But are we doing it to be showy or are we doing it because it's just God's moved my heart and I'm showing dependence, right? That's the idea. Now, I know Gardner's gonna be mad at me because like, oh, you're gonna feel guilty now. Don't feel guilty. Raise your hands, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just asking the why. So wait, you can do it for the wrong reason. The way you dress for church, right? To, to show up and do, I gotta, I mean, I gotta look sharp. I gotta look good. So everyone's like, oh, look at him. He's great. Looking guy, look at gal. But, you know, and are you drawing attention away to, to yourself? Do you just wanna be seen is the idea, right? That's, it's, it's, that's a way we could apply this. Or having a quiet time in public, right? You gotta go to the Starbucks, 5.30 a.m. to show everyone how committed you are. And I got my Bible. I got three other translations. I got five Bibles out and three different journals. This is my prayer request journal. This is my notes journal. And this is just if God speaks to me journal with four different pens. And I'm picking it. I look like I'm flying a plane in there at 5.30 in the morning so that everyone sees me doing my quiet time. Okay, great. Are you doing it to be seen? Or are you doing it for a different reason? You get upset when so you do something, you go out of your way, you're, you're generous, you serve, you do whatever. And then that person, it's been 10 days and I still haven't gotten a thank you note. I can't believe that. You're the thank you note Nazi. Okay, did you do it so you could get a 99 cent thank you note or did you do it because you wanted to be generous because God is generous, right? All sorts of things, reading books. I got, you know, I got my, stack of, my stack of books in my car so everyone sees that I read, read three John Piper books this week. Good for you. They're all the same. <laughs> God is glorified. Yes, we know it, John. Okay, great. But do you have to tell everyone that you've read 16 John Piper books this week? If that's great for your soul, awesome. But you don't have to. The, the point is, and you feel a tendency to be showy. Hide. And I'm not saying we don't encourage people. We should encourage people. This is why God uses our gifts and stuff. But just make sure it's for the right reason. Because I, man, I, I zoom, I was, I was reading this morning and I feel like, I mean, this word is for you. That's what we do. But it's not so everybody else knows that you did your quiet time this morning, right? That's the point. When you feel tempted to be showy, hide, right? Second one, prayer. And this is more, probably more familiar passage with us. He says, when you pray, again, assumption, that you're gonna pray. Don't be like the hypocrites. There it is. Don't be like the play actors. What do they do? They love to stand and pray and be seen in the synagogue street corners. They want to be seen and they use long words. Like verse seven, he says, when you pray, don't heap empty phrases as the Gentiles. They think they'll be heard for their many words. You've seen this before. Somebody stands up and they, they have a high pitched voice, but all of a sudden they start praying and it starts Vader. Lord. <sighs> Thank you for your givingeth of all good thingeths. And there's the church speak and you start using church phrases that we really don't know what they, we haven't figured out what they mean yet, a hedge of protection or, you know, traveling mercies. And we just kind of go into these things and bless these people. And we're like, okay, bless them how? What is that even? So we just kind of impress people or we, we pray real long. We, we speak long phrases, many words, thinking if I pray longer, it's like a college paper, must be 10,000 words. Well, I'm only at 9,736. I got to come up with 250 more words for this prayer to actually be heard. Or there's some formula. I got to repeat myself over and over. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Harry, Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna. You know, so my kids come to me and say, hey, dad, I need new sneakers. They don't say, hey, dad, I need new sneakers. Father, sneakers, naweth, pops, sneakers, shoes, feet on my, they don't, they don't have to repeat themselves 50 times, 50 different ways to get me to go and buy them a pair of Nikes. 
They say, hey, dad, I need some shoes. Got it. And that's what, that's what Jesus says. You don't need to do some formula to manipulate or wear God down because he knows what you need before you ask it. You're not informing him. Oh, wow, I didn't realize you needed size nines and you're wearing size seven. Sorry. He knows it already. So what's the point? Here's the point. When you do these things, what's the reason? Is it to be seen or is it to pursue and know God? That's the reason. It's to pursue and know God. Like prayer. This is why he says, when you pray, it's not against corporate prayer. We corporately pray. He commands us to corporately pray in the pastoral epistles. Jesus corporately prays. He's not down to that. But he says, when you're doing this, go into your, do- in your room. Shut the door. This is you and God speaking. It's between y'all. It's you getting to know your father, your father hearing your heart and you pouring out in humility and dependence. And then your father sees in secret rewards. And they say, this is how to do it too. This is how you pray. And this is not something we're supposed to necessarily, it's not wrong to recite it, but this is not like every time you pray, pray like this. He's giving us a model of, of what prayer looks like, what good prayer looks like. And notice how simple and short the, the, the Lord's Prayer, and even the Lord's Prayer is a horrible title. It's not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord doesn't need to pray to, to uh, forgive me my trespasses. This is the disciples' prayer. This is ours. He says, how short and simple and straightforward it is. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, how would be your name? Call him your dad and tell him how great he is, that you want his name to be great, that you want his name to be glorified. There's adoration. Part of your prayer should be ad- Adoration. God, you're awesome. You're great. You are the mighty warrior. We just sang about it, right? And your will be done. And that's not just some, some Christianese, yo, God's will, we'll pray for God's will. No, it's God, I want X, but if you don't want X, then I want Y, because if you want Y, that's what I want. It's Jesus in the garden. Father, not my will, your be done. I don't want this, but I will follow you. I don't want cancer, but if cancer is gonna be, bring me closer to you, I don't want loss of job. I don't want fill in the blank, but I will follow you because you are good, right? Your will be done. And provision, God, provide. I don't know how we're gonna pay for college. Just please show us. God, I I don't know how we need it. We need the transmission fix. Please meet our needs. Pray, provision, pray for provision. Absolutely. Forgive us. Confession, it's a part of our prayer. God, I did it again on the way to church this morning. Please forgive me. Forgive us. Right? And, and Lord, give me protection. I have a propensity. I, my boss, I can't stand my boss. I don't want to be gossiping. I don't want to be a slander. I want to let my light shine. So help me. I know the boss is going to be waiting for me. Help me to avoid anger and be patient today. Whatever that area that you, that you struggle in, some, some you know, stronghold in your life, you pray, God, lead me not into this. Deliver me from this. See, all, this prayer is ultimately, prayer is not about you getting God to do something and aligning him to your will. It's about you getting aligned to his will. Because when you're praying, God, your glory, your name, your everything, you're getting aligned to him, not him to you. When you're praying your will, you're getting aligned to him. When you're saying, deliver me from sin, you're getting aligned to his, his program. Provide for me. You're saying, I need you. This is about you getting aligned with God and you knowing God. That's the whole point. And, it, and, it's, and it's not just with prayer, right? It's with everything. But see, here's the beauty of this. You do not have to pray to impress or inform God, right? He's not, you cannot, he is unimpressible. You realize this. God is not impressed with how much you give or how godly you are or how long you pray. You cannot impress him. It would be like me going up, if I ran into to Michael Jordan on the street, I'd be like, 
<laughs> MJ, what's up? <laughs> hey, let me tell you about my sixth grade basketball team. I was the point guard. We won our little Christian league. I averaged like three points a game, um, you know, two assists a game. Uh, I was pretty awesome, man, just like you. <laughs> All right, and he'd be like, six rings. He'd be like, you see those shoes over there? That's me on the side of them, right? Okay, I, I, he, he's not gonna be impressed and he's just a, a broken man like everyone else. The infinite God of the world is not impressible. And the beauty is he doesn't want you to impress him. He's not asking you to impress him. He says, I want you to pray so that I know your heart and you can, you can just, I can just pour it out to me because I'm your dad and you know me, right? That's the heart of it. You can have a conversation with him and be honest because he already knows. And again, it's not just in prayer, right? We don't, we don't just pursue him through prayer. Why do you come to church to gather with the church of God? Is it to be seen? Is it so everyone knows that you were here? Is it to make business connections? No, it's to know and worship God, right? Why do you read your Bible? Is it so you can impress people that I read the book of Habakkuk this week? Have you ever read it? It's a great book. It's a great prophet. I was reading Habakkuk. Is it so everyone knows that you spend your life in the minor prophets? Or so you can know God, Right? Why do, you, uh, yeah, why do you listen to podcasts or Christian music in your car? Is it so your buddy gets in the car and he sees, oh, look, you've been listening to, to uh, 91.9. You must be spiritual listening to Christian music. No, it's so that I can let the word of Christ richly dwell within me. It's so I can so refresh my mind with the word of God and hear truth and, and, and sing and be joyful. Why do, I, why do you serve? It's so you can say, oh, I'm, I'm serving on the team so everyone sees you. No, it's so you can identify with God who empties himself and becomes a man and serves you. So you can be the CEO, big boss, but you can serve four-year-olds back there because you're identifying with God and knowing him through your service, right? Or even if like you, you face some persecution and some opposition, it's not so you can go back and say, I persecuted this week, got reprimanded for my faith. Isn't that great? Yeah, they don't like me because I'm a Christian. No, it's who you can, like Paul, say, I wanna, I wanna so know the fellowship of his, of his sufferings, right? I wanna fill up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. I wanna know him through the, the power of his resurrection. It's just to know him. It's to, to, to be with him. That's what he wants with us. Because if all you're doing it for is, oh, we need more of so-and-so in our community group. We need, like, we need folks like that to volunteer. Your reward was that. But the beauty of it, when you do it for God, when he is the audience, your reward is God. He is the treasure. He is that which is valuable and that's what you get. So ask us, well, why? Ask the why. When you feel tempted to be showy, hide. And, and be, beware that you're not pursuing God, that you're not doing things to know him and to be like him. And there's one more, most popular one the one that you guys are so familiar with, fasting, right? Uh, he says this, when you fast, and here's what's interesting about that. If you ask Christians, should you give? Yeah, you should, you should give. Should Christians, Christians pray? Absolutely, pray, right? When it comes to the same language for fasting, when you fast, not if you fast, fast. Yeah, don't, that's just not part of my rhythm. You know, I, you know, I got a blood sugar issue. I just, you know, it's not my part. All right, because fasting is so foreign to the American mind because uh, we, we, we just, 
let's, quite honestly, we don't like to deny ourselves. I mean, we are like hobbits. We think that if we don't have, you know, breakfast, second breakfast, 11 Z's, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner, and supper, that we're going to die of starvation at some point soon, right? That, that's, that's what we think. Um, but it's not true, I promise you. But it's simple as fasting. If you're like, what's fasting? Fasting is going without food or drink for a specific amount of time for a spiritual reason. That's at its simplest. And then you hear often, you know, we fasted from TV for a week or technology. That's, that's good. Those are, those are good things. But when the Bible talks about fasting, no, it's talking about food. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, and it's not to impress God or to show how spiritual you are or, you know, to try to manipulate him to get him to do something or get his attention. It's not a diet plan. I'm sorry. Yes, you will naturally lose weight when you don't eat. Yes, but it's not the point. Okay, the point is this. You are, you are basically saying to God, you are more important, God, than my physical needs. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So I'm gonna cut a meal or cut a day of eating and I'm gonna spend some focused time seeking you, pursuing you, valuing you against even my physical needs. That's what it is. And it could be multiple reasons. You read the Old Testament and you see multiple reasons. You see Esther, who's, she's going to risk her life and go before the king uninvited. And so she goes to her uncle Mordecai and says, hey, just pray and fast. I'm gonna pray and fast for three days. We're gonna ask God to move in a mighty way. And he does. You see it as a sign of repentance and mourning in Nehemiah 6. People have sinned again. They have a six-hour church service where everyone stands the entire time. Ezra reads from the law and everyone just breaks down in repentance and mourning and fasting just as a sign of humility. And God, we need your grace and forgiveness. See it in Daniel. Daniel is towards the end of the 70-year captivity and he realizes, man, it's been 70 years. What's gonna happen next? He starts seeking God and fasting and God answers him. And so it's, it's, it's moments like that of dependence, of just worship, a focused time. But here's the thing. It, wasn't, it was only required one day of the entire year for, for Old Testament Jews. One time on the Day of Atonement, they were to fast. That was it. Everything else was voluntary. So the Pharisees, what they did is they took that one command and went from one time a year to twice a week. We're going to do it twice a week because we are the overachievers. And when they did it, they made sure everybody knew it. So they, they were gloomy. They would disfigure their face. They'd be, you know, you'd get all dirty and didn't shower for a couple of days and their hair's all crazy like mine is every day. Um, and just, they look disheveled. They'd be wearing clothes that are just dirty and be moping around the streets and be like, what's wrong with him? Oh, he's fasting. Oh, good. Praise God for godly people like him. They did it to be seen, right? And Jesus says, they got what they paid for. Right there. Everyone saw him. Everyone was like, ooh, you're just hungry. Right, right. right. That's what they get. get. That's what they wanted. So he says, how do you do it then? Wait, how do you do it? If you're gonna fast, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. He's saying, take a shower, put some Old Spice on, put on your makeup, brush your teeth, right? No one else needs to know. It's between you and God. Now, again, don't get legalistic. You're like, oh, I can't tell my wife to not make my lunch today because I'm fasting because it'll ruin it and everyone will know. No, say, honey, I just don't need a lunch today. I'm gonna go and I'm just gonna spend some time praying. No, it's not some legalistic thing. But don't show up and people, you're like, oh, you're just angry, you're hangry. And like, what's wrong with you? Well, I'm fasting. Oh, I just told you, I'm sorry, I blew the fast. Oh. No, it's between you and God. And if you're like, how do, how, you know, if some of you are like, I've never done this before. Here, let me challenge you. Here, here's, here's a simple way to do a fast. Ready? This week at some point, pick a day, any day, you plan it. 
skip lunch. Skip your lunch. And instead of going, you know, to wherever you go with all your friends or packing your lunch, go down to Lake Mayer, go down to Lake Daffin, go down to Forsyth, just walk. And while you walk, just pray. Pray for something. Pray for your spouse, pray for your kids, pray for the nation, see God, maybe listen to the Bible on, on your phone. Just spend some focused time saying, God, I need you. That's a fast, right? And then if you wanna go longer, go longer. Great, that's what we're talking about. But it's between you and God is the point. It's not to be seen. And, and the issue that the Pharisees have, and it's the same issue we have, ultimately, we like to be liked. We like to be liked. We have a fear of man issue. And fear of man is, is common and it's, you can call it different things. When you're a teenager, it's peer pressure. When you're an adult, it's people pleasing or codependency. It's the same thing and it starts young. I remember 1986. 1986, the, the original, so that some of you are gonna be like, yes, the original jams. Remember these things? If you were an 80s child, jams were the bomb in the summer of 1986. But here's the thing. There were fake jams and there were the real jams. And the real jams had a tag on the back that said the original jams. And they were $30 a pair, pair, which was like like 120 bucks bucks today. They were super pricey and all the moms were like, I'm not buying them, they're too expensive. And so they go to Marshall's and they get you a $10 pair and you would never wear the $10 pair because they weren't the original jams. Even though they looked the same, they were the exact same, they weren't the original. I had a discussion with one of my kids this week. I was like, hey, look, those are Chuck Taylors. They're like $20 instead of $70. Yeah, but they don't have the star. The star's on the inside. No one can see the star. Just wear the canvas shoes. No, they gotta be the real Chuck Taylors. Oh yeah, Chuck's dead, y'all. He's gone and he don't care. But this, why is it I wouldn't wear the, you know, why wouldn't I wear the, the Marshalls version? Because of fear of man. <laughs> Did you see Fowler? He doesn't have the original jams. You can still get them, by the way. I Googled it this week. <laughs> if you're looking for a birthday present opportunity, there you go. But, it, and he said, oh, that's silly. I, you know, I did that when I was a teenager. We still do it. Some of you are so stressed out because you're so busy and you got your kids in 55 things. Why? Because everyone else in your kid's class is on the soccer team and he's on the debate team and he's got to have his SAT class and he's got to be this and that. And so you are stressed out. You're so busy. Why? Because you can't say no because you're afraid what everyone will think. Right? We do it all the time. We do it all the time. Or you will never take a risk or step out in faith or do anything. Why? Because you're scared of what people might think. What if I fail? What if, what if I fall on my face? Or you won't, you, you exaggerate your exploits and how great you are and what you did. When I was in high school, man, I, you know, I could have played college football for Notre Dame, but you know, I really just wanted to be a uh, psychology major. So I went that direction. I didn't play for Alabama like I could have, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you, didn't, you didn't play, you didn't special teams, dude. You were a water boy. But we make ourselves sound better or we hide our failures because we don't want people to know what we might be struggling with. Or we second guess ourselves if someone has a different opinion, even though we're convinced that this is what I should be doing. Here's a big one for us, if you're a man. Social media. Some of you spend four and a half hours picking out one photo and then editing it so that you can post it and declare to the world how great your life really is. Nobody's life is that great, I promise. 
right? You are not that awesome that you need to spend four hours editing and getting the light right. And oh, I need to whiten my teeth. Yes, I know how it works. I gotta whiten my teeth with this one and I gotta, oh, I gotta get this light over here so that everyone sees how awesome my meal was. That is the best looking asparagus I've ever seen in my entire life. And look at that beach. That beach is the best beach ever. And you know, most people are just going like, 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 like. They're not even looking at it. But why are we spending all the time? Because it's fear of man, because we want to be liked. We want to be approved. We want to feel good, right? And that's what the Pharisees wanted, and it's an act. And so here is the last principle. When, and I'm reading a book, and I stole the, the last principle from the title of this book. I'll tell you. Uh, I'm not afraid. This book is called When People Are Big, God Is Small. It's a great book. I'm about halfway through it. Uh, but we need to start as the people of God seeing God as big because when God is big, no one else matters. This is what Jesus is later gonna say. He said, don't fear man. What's the worst they can do, kill you? Fear God, fear me. I'm the powerful. I'm the one who's omnipotent. I'm the one who declares, decides your eternity, right? And so we need to start saying, what is, I have an audience of one. I'm on his stage. This, this world is his stage. I am caring about him, and here's the beauty, again, you can't impress him. And you don't have to. I was thinking about this week. Um, I have kids, a lot of them played sports and other things. Uh, and, and I played kids in, as, a, as a kid. When you're a young kid, especially, and you notice this if you have young kids, uh, you know, six, seven, they always know where their parents are in the stands. You notice this? Or on the field, right? They can, they can spot, and hopefully it's not because you're the loudest guy yelling at the refs, right? But they always know where their parents are sitting and you can always see them catching secret glances up at mom and dad, right? Or somebody, whoever's taking them to the game. Whoever's, it's, it's, just, it's just common. I did it. Your kids do it. They know where you're at. Why is that? Because they want to please their parents because they got to ride home with them. Now, it's great to hear everyone else cheering, but in the end, they got to get in the car with mom, with dad, with whoever. And you know what? They want that. They want to hear. I did great. And the problem is sometimes, and this is the fallenness of man, our ride home is based on how, you went 0 for 4. You ain't getting no Dairy Queen today. Sorry. You're having cereal for dinner. No Dairy Queen for you. Our love is based on performance. We have a propensity to that, right? If you perform, then I, then I affirm you. If you don't, here's the beauty of God. That's not how God rolls. He knows when you're gonna fail. He knows when you're gonna succeed and he is not moved as a, as a parent, when you watch, and the flip side of this is when, you, when you're watching your kid do something, and parents get this, you, you, you're watching your kid, right? You're watching your son, your daughter. When I was at this, the musical this week, I am watching my son. I, I see all the other kids, but I'm watching, and I notice things that no one else would see because he's my son. And I'm like, that was awesome. Did you see that? Oh, it's great. No one else sees it. And then you get him in the car, you're like, that was awesome. I saw you do that. That was phenomenal, right? Because he's yours and I'm proud. And the beauty of God is that's what he's doing for you. He's watching and he's not this mad dad. I can't believe you're 0 for 4. You know, you sang off tune there. That was awful, awful. He's watching and he's saying, I saw that. No one else saw that? I saw that. I saw that. That was awesome. And when you get in the car, whether you perform great or you didn't, you, he still loves you because you're his son. You have to, we say this a lot, but you need to remember this. There's nothing you can do, y'all, to make God love you more than he loves you right now. Nothing. 
You're like, well, I'm going to give more. It doesn't change his heart. I'm going to go share the gospel. No, it doesn't change how much he loves you. How do I know? Because he gave you his only son to take your sin and punishment. What more could he do? This, this is the freeing truth of the gospel. You don't have to perform now. You can just live freely with a dad who is crazy about you. He's like, we're going to DQ. Because he loves you. He delights. I sang it, I read it earlier. He's singing over you. And it's not because of anything you've done. It's because of who he is. This is why he's the big God and we're not. This is why I want us to see. This is what Jesus is saying ultimately. That's me. You don't have to perform for me. You can't. That's why you need his spirit. That's why you need a righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees. You need him. And he delights in us. And I want us to get that. He's a great God. He is the God. He's the father who looks down from the stands with a smile. Even when his kid double dribbles. That's my boy. Double dribble. Oh, he just fouled out of the game. That's my boy. Because he loves you. He loves you. Don't try to impress him. And don't try to impress other people. Right? Don't play that game. Don't be a high on a hill with a lonely goat herd yodeling away trying to get everyone to like you. God is already crazy about you. He has demonstrated his love for you and that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you in your place as your substitute. So don't pretend. Freeze us up. Don't act. Don't try to impress people with your spirituality. When there's a tendency to be showy, time to hide. Ask, is this, am I doing this to pursue God, to know God, right? And do I have a big view of God? Because his smile is the only one that matters. Pleasing him is the only one that matters. We're gonna remember, I think fittingly, the, the, the table this, this morning. I guess it's afternoon now. No, not quite. Um, and we're gonna celebrate Lord's table. Lord's table is a reminder that God loves us. Lord's table is a reminder that God demonstrated his love. Christ died for us. So that's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to remember that your heavenly father loves you, how much he gave his only begotten son. So if you are a Christian today, you identify as a follower of Jesus, you have put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. We invite you to partake, to celebrate this with us. If you're not a Christian, you're like, I don't even know what that means. We just ask you to abstain. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. Right? This is, this is a, a remembering time for the people of God who have put their faith in Christ. And so we just ask you to not take today and just consider the fact that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have some folks hand out uh, the little, the cups uh, and, and the team is gonna just lead in a song, listen to the lyrics, pray, spend four or five minutes just quiet there in your seat thinking on God's love for you. Maybe praying, maybe hallowing God's name and praying his will and, and confessing sin and, and just whatever is appropriate right now. And then I'll come back up and I'll lead us all together in celebrating this table. Let me pray. Father, thank you for just a few moments to reflect on your goodness and your love for us, your children. Um, thank you that you love us despite ourselves and that you're a good dad. Uh, just help us not to play, not to perform, not to act, just to live freely for you. It's in Christ's name I pray.